This is an ABC podcast. When Kate McNamara comes to see me, she's holding this artefact that you might normally expect to associate with a high point in her life, or at least a glamorous and special moment. So this is it. It's the best female actor trophy. It's made out of dinosaur designs, which I think was very big at that time, you know, like that whole resin thing. And this is the part where they had blue tack and then the top of the pineapple was was there, which has now gone to God. It looks like a bleeding jelly baby and there's no top. The top of the trophy was already snapped off when she received it, by the way. This was in 2012 when Kate won Best Female Actor at the Tropfest Film Festival. But it didn't exactly turn out to be the moment of triumph she'd been waiting for. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. Welcome to Days Like These. I've always imagined that acting is the kind of job that can really undo a person. Every time you show up for an audition, you have to bring all of yourself to the task of being someone else. And you have to convince yourself that you really want the role. And then after all of that, you also have to be okay with not getting it. And you have to try not to take that personally. And then what drives this whole thing is the idea of making it. But no one can really seem to tell you exactly what making it really is. What do you think, John? It sounds like torture to me. It seems pretty exhausting to me, Elizabeth. John Chia, you are our guest reporter today, and we're going to hear about Kate's success story, right? Well, that's one way to put it. I guess it's a story about how close success and failure can be and what it feels like when people think you're doing really well, but what's actually happening for you feels totally different. All right. So where does this one begin? I guess we'll start with this short film that Kate acted in back in 2012. It's called Kitchen Sink Drama. The character's name is Stacy. She is having a child. She's, you know, eight months pregnant um, to her partner, Aaron. Um, and the scene is set. She's at home doing the, cleaning up the kitchen um, and he's just coming home from work. So they're not married and they're, they're about to have a child. He was actually proposing to her and he thought that a good way to do that would be to... Um, start by breaking up with her and go from there. Um, That is, yeah. Filmmaker Nick Clifford made Kitchen Sink Drama specifically to enter into Tropfest. Every year, Tropfest would receive about 700 entries. The best 16 would get shown to thousands and thousands of people as part of the world's biggest short film festival, sprawling across the domain in Sydney and streamed around the globe the black carpet filthy with big-name celebrities, the kind of festival that could make you a star. I had been to it, like, every year. I loved it. You take a picnic rug, a thousand bottles of wine. It was super fun. So after being an audience member for so many years, Kate couldn't believe it when she heard that Kitchen Sink Drama had made the final 16. It was the 20th anniversary, so it was a a big night and the, the judges were... Incredible. There was Kate Blanchett, Nicole Kidman, Jeffrey Rush, Tony Collette, Asha Keedy. It was just ridiculous. It was an amazing time to be a part of it, especially if I was actually going to be successful. So Kate invites a buddy to join her and they book tickets to go to Sydney. 
I had seen so much footage and I had known so many people that had been to Tropfest and I was super excited about getting in there, the free drinks, all the industry people. I knew lots of people that were going and I was like, this is fun, I'm, I'm in it. So that was super exciting to be kind of living that life of someone who is a professional actor who has work to be proud of. I knew that I really wanted to meet Kate Blanchett, Nicole Kidman. I was like, that is, I'm just excited to have something in this and to maybe be able to speak to these people. On the way to the airport from Melbourne to Sydney, uh, my friend Jason Gann called me from LA and that was weird to me because I hadn't spoken to him in a little while. He said, why didn't you tell me that you're in Tropfest? And I, um, I was like, I don't know, I just didn't think it was relevant to you, you know, at this time. And he said, well, yeah, I'm the secret judge. And, you know, he was judging the, the short films, not best actress and best actor. Um, but, uh, yeah, he said, I've seen them all and you're really good and I think you're going to win best actress, um, which filled me with complete and utter dread. Sitting there on the Sky Bus, this little piece of news probably should have felt like a breakthrough for Kate, something huge and joyful. But as she hangs up the phone and the bus traces the ribbons of highway leading to Melbourne Airport, she feels a cascade of thoughts and emotions setting in. Things are happening in her life that make this moment a little hard to digest. I wasn't in the right frame of mind to be having that kind of an experience. I felt like then I had to show up a bit more and I guess I wasn't feeling very present in my life at that period of time. I was kind of going to experience something um, that might kind of lift me, but winning something is a whole different kettle of fish. At a time where I was really happy to kind of sink into the background in some ways, because I was a bit of a wreck. A lot of this had to do with her partner Cam. They'd been together for a long time, but recently things had become complicated. I was very happy with him. We loved each other a lot. But, you know, there was things that we needed to deal with and probably not together, but separately. And we had just gone on a break. But I was pretty devastated. I was pretty shattered, to be honest. He had left, he had moved out, and it was kind of two weeks into that period. So I was pretty raw and, like, quite emotional. (laughs) It was tough, really tough. On the morning of Tropfest, Kate wakes up in her hotel room in Sydney. The weather was gorgeous. It was sun shining, spectacular blue skies. It was a beautiful Sydney day. She tries to start getting ready for the big night. The, the anxiety was definitely starting to rise, for sure, from something that I thought was just going to be an enjoyable thing that I was going to be a part of and that was going to be great. The fact that I now had this kind of information that maybe I was going to win Best Actress had, like, shot my anxiety through the roof, for sure. I had my entire outfit put together by a stylist friend. I was jewellery, everything, because I wanted to look amazing doing this black carpet. Um, I ended up just watching Anna Green Gables for three hours beforehand, trying to, like, de-stress, desensitise, and then we headed in. As they walk over to the festival, Kate's dread makes room for something else. There's a real energy around the whole thing and she starts to feel kind of excited. Um, Walking in 
to the gardens was insane. There were so many people there. It was, sun was shining, it was, it was amped. Um, there was a huge VIP section off to the left and we, Jason Pree, who um, plays my partner in the, in the short film, we met there, we were stoked. He's a legend and we were waiting for uh, Nick to come and give us our tickets. We were of the opinion that we were getting these VIP tickets. And when Nick arrived and gave us the tickets, they were actually friend and family tickets, um, which were a small cordoned off piece of grass off to the right of the red carpet, just in a great position where you can actually see everyone walking in, but you effectively aren't in the VIP section. I'm not really sure why you need tickets to a piece of grass, but it was what it was. She calls her agent like 10 times trying to get tickets to the VIP area, but she just can't get through. That part was awkward, watching people kind of enter into the VIP section. It started to kind of dawn on me that that was not me and that I had to try and do something about it. It's kind of humiliating. You think you've made it to the next level, only to find the door just won't open. A career in acting had prepared her for failure, but she hadn't expected success to look quite like this. What happened was I just kind of went, well, obviously, if you don't have VIP tickets, it's not like you're going to win something. This is just what it is. And so the shows began. Kate and her friend go to get a drink, but the bar only takes cash. And between them, they've only got enough for a single glass of sparkling wine. So they sit back on the grass and settle in to watch the other films. Somewhere... Just after intermission, there was a whole lot of really grey, ominous, mean, angry-looking clouds that kind of rolled over the event. Um, It just changed on a dime. It was bizarre. And sure enough, it just started... The heavens, like, broke open and it just absolutely started hammering down. Suddenly, the tens of thousands of people that were there just started to pack up and head out. And Jason and I just sat there in the middle of the grassed area as people disappeared and laughed and thought, this is pretty, this is pretty strange. We had just come to accept our fate basically and just thought, let's enjoy it for what it is. And we were totally saturated, like from head to toe. My shoes were filled with water. Every bit of perfectly manicured makeup that I'd put on myself was like running down my face. I was being really cool by wearing like a thousand bracelets on either hand, a cool little black dress with a nice coat. I mean, I really felt like I nailed it, to be honest, and then that's what it ended up looking like. I look like a dirty dish rag. The one drink that I was able to buy at the event was filled with water. So by the time Kate's film hits the screen, the outdoor crowd is all but completely gone. On the grass outside the VIP tent, there's just a handful of people left in the rain. Our show came on. We watched it on the big screen. It was pretty cool. They were worried about the, the thunder and the lightning hitting the, the, the screen, so they switched it all off and they took all the award ceremony into the VIP section. So I was actually sitting there with no shoes on, emptying all the water that was inside my shoes, makeup down my face when I got the call. It's Nick, the director. And he said... Kate, <laughs> you have to get up here as quickly as possible. You just, you've just won Best Actress. And I was like, what? I could not, 
I could not believe it. After everything, I just couldn't, I just could not believe it. He said, Nicole Kidman is presenting Best Actress and she's up there now and you need to get here. Haul ass, get here as quickly as possible. My shoes were leather. I didn't even have time to try and get them on because they were so wet that I just was holding them and absolutely piss bolted to the entry of the VIP section. But it's not enough. As I came in, basically straight away, all those, um, you know, very successful actors that were on the judging panel were immediately shuffled off to cars to get out of there because the weather was so bad. So there was not even an opportunity to say hello, to meet them, nothing. They were gone. The lights are up and the cleaners are already in. It's like closing time at the pub. There are just a few people left milling around in the tent and they're starting to pack up. Her heart sinks and she feels the blood draining from her body. It's a feeling she's never experienced before or since. It just felt empty and I just thought, I'm just going to go. I don't want to be here. Kate walks back to the hotel. Her friend passes out early, so she wanders outside and gets talking to some teenagers who share a joint with her. They're immediately sprung by the cops and told to move along. Kate goes back to the room. She sits down on the carpet, which soaks up the rain that's still dripping from her clothes, and she cracks open a Bundy and Coke from the minibar. In the dark, she's thinking about everything that's just happened, the feeling of something being almost within reach, then disappearing before your eyes. She realises that there seems to be this growing distance between how her life looks to everyone else on the outside and what the reality feels like from the inside. Watching at home, her friends think she missed her moment because she was having too much fun, probably drinking champagne and chatting to strangers at the bar. And then there's the award itself. Did anyone even see the film? Will it mean anything for her career? Did it ever really matter? And she can't tell whether her phone will start ringing in the morning or if she's just blown her biggest chance at success. It's lonely. And it feels even lonelier because normally she'd be able to share it with Cam. I'd been part of two people for a really long time and this was like a very extreme one-person experience. And no matter where I turned, I wasn't getting anything that was making me feel any better about the experience. The next morning, Kate's phone rings. It's her agent. Finally, maybe he can provide some comfort and clarity here. He kind of just said, oh, you know, Tropfest is a bit overblown and, you know, it's a good thing to have, but it's just one thing to have. And it was just that I was clutching for something to kind of help me feel like I was present for it. I, of course, told them what had happened, but they just didn't seem to deeply understand what that was. And as, you know, someone who'd been an aspiring actor for, for a really long time, what it meant to have had all this happen and not really be present for it. On the challenges of life as an actor, Kate can't say she wasn't warned. I remember when I was at drama school, um, one of our teachers said to us, if you can think of yourself doing anything else that's not acting, then go and do it. Let me save you some time, just go and do it. Because this is a long, hard road and it's going to be difficult and it might not end up the way you, you think it's going to end up and it can be really shattering. So if you can do something else, do yourself a favour and go and do it. That advice was suddenly ringing true on a level she couldn't have anticipated. From the outside, it's easy to see that it's a big game of talent 
luck, connections, and one-off opportunities. And yet, from the inside, you just can't have the same perspective, and that's got to eat away at you a little bit. My very favourite part of it, and the, the, the only reason I ever got into it, was because I really genuinely love character acting. I love people's stories. If you're not strong enough, it can change your perception of yourself. And if you're in it for what I was in it for, which is to tell other people's story, and then it becomes about weighing you down a little bit um, with self-doubt, then it becomes a bit of a burden, even though you love it. So we flew back to Melbourne. I caught the Melbourne bus home, you know, uh, to St Kilda, and I was just thinking about Cam and our relationship and how much I missed him and I was desperately searching for steady ground. To have him here and validate that whole story and the craziness of it. And as I was walking, pulling my luggage, walking home, I got a call from Cam. I think he felt like everybody else did, that there was a whole different narrative happening in my life at that point. I think he probably thought, she's done really well, She's in a different t stage of her life. I've got my own shit to do. And that's what he said, you know, I'm, I think it's over. Our relationship's over. So, the, so basically I just did that thing where I like drank in the backyard for a couple of weeks and kind of drowned my sorrows. Rock bottom was waking up one morning cuddling a bottle of wine with my phone by my ear playing I Can't Make You Love Me on rotation. I'd clearly like that night got myself into quite a state and um, I thought, jeepers creepers, it's time to kind of <laughs> pick yourself up, girlfriend, please. <laughs> At this point, she's feeling desperate enough to try just about anything. She has her stars read, goes to an energy healer to find out about her past lives. They put crystals on your, like, forehead and on your heart and everything. I remember I burst into tears and you do all those things because you're, like, searching desperately to grip onto something that'll kind of give you some sort of better understanding of yourself. But Kate's life still feels like a big, tangled-up mess. She's looking for an even bigger circuit breaker. And despite all the disappointment, the Tropfest win did have one very tangible benefit. I had the, the prize money. So um, I just decided, you know what, I need to take myself out of this whole situation. I need to go somewhere else and sort this shit out. So I booked uh, to go to the wellness clinic in Bali <laughs> like a crazy person. It's kind of a holistic place to examine your life or examine a part of your life and just try and look at things differently, I guess. They have this woman that comes in and you sit on this little rug and she touches you with her hands and you're, you vibrate from head to toe. It's, they said that she worked in a bank and that she couldn't work in the bank anymore because every time she touched the register, the electricity running through her fingers would break it. That's what they said. With the colonics, like, you literally are laying there and they, they're doing the colonics, which I don't need to explain to you because I think you can imagine that yourself, but there's a machine next to you where everything floats 
out and the amazing Balinese woman that we said, God, I wish I could remember her name. She'd be like, um, oh, you had corn. When did you have corn? <laughs> oh my God, like, like 2002? How long's that been in me? <laughs> she had seen a lot of shit that time. <laughs> But when you stripped away the wellness stuff, for maybe the first time in her adult life, Kate just stopped for a minute and things started to shift a little. I guess what happened while I was over there through a lot of work and then also, you know, the clarity you kind of do get without sounding like wanky. You know, you drink these juices and you get these massages and you give yourself the time to kind of process things that happen to you um, and talk through them as well because everyone's totally everyone you meet at these things has got some some shit going on by the end of it I had a lot more focus and direction and was able to sit with myself because part of the biggest issue was after all this happened the anxiety I just couldn't even be with myself Um, I couldn't be alone in that trauma of everything that had kind of happened. I know it sounds so pathetic because there's real problems in the world, but it was a lot for me at the time uh, to kind of process. So I think it just gave me a chance to kind of sit in it and let it be what it was so that I could kind of move past it. Of course, it takes longer than a few squishy days in paradise for Kate to rebuild herself, but it does help her start to understand what's actually valuable to her. I remember thinking at the time, my God, if if I don't make it as an actor... Who even am I? I remember feeling like that. And I feel like now I've, I've got such a full and really a life that I really love and authentically am a part of and really present in that I feel like that is enough for me now. Whereas I think placing so much importance on something external from you, which I probably did a bit at the time, is kind of dangerous because you can never own it and, and hold it in your hands. Kate still loves to act, but it's different now. It's not the centre of her life, but it is still about her love of a good story. I am an actor and I am a mum and I am a wife and I am a friend. (laughs) Um, I'm a marketing executive at a funds management company. Yeah, that's who I am. If I was to build a storyline of me becoming famous or me becoming very successful as an actor, the journey that I was taking at that point, was exactly what I would have wanted. Like going through the Trotfest process, like that was very akin to what I felt success was. Not that I'm old or it's over, because I could still do stuff now, but I kind of feel like I came into my own and understood myself more once I had actually moved past thinking about it as a a legitimate career move. What I've kind of come to realise is it's people I love and their stories that I love, and I can get that more authentically every day from my job or from friends or from just interactions with people. If I'm asking people questions about themselves and their stories on a day-to-day basis, that's giving me the same sort of enjoyment as what acting does in some senses without that gratification of people seeing me experience and do those things. Even now, Kate's never actually seen the footage of Nicole Kidman reading her name out on TV. So while she can accept that it did happen, it's just that it doesn't feel like it happened to her. I'd never really thought about how important the 
celebration and festivities around these kind of things were to, to kind of making them feel real. And even though it had happened to me, and that, that, that's definitely true, I won the award and all that sort of thing, the fact that I wasn't part of the entire journey of it um, and, and that celebration and festivity just made me feel completely absent in it. A couple of years later, there was this footy coach who Kate had been keen on for a while. His team had just won the grand final when, one night out of the blue, Kate receives this phone call. I think he was actually drunk and someone called and I went and picked him up and dropped him home. <laughs> and this guy's name? It's Cam. The footy coach is Cam. So that was kind of the first connection after, you know, a little while. But I had come to a point just before we got back together, I was like, well, that's just, I've got to let that go. We had been talking and I guess I could sense from him that he was maybe in a place now where he could consider something, um, sharing his life with someone again. It gave me a lot of confidence knowing that we both had gone back into it with our eyes open, really understanding where we'd been. These days, Kate and Cam are married and they have a young daughter. Maybe if I had have been more successful after that time, maybe I would have gone overseas or I would have probably followed wherever the work was and that could have been anywhere and that definitely could have meant that I wouldn't have been close to him or um, in a place where our relationship would have got another opportunity to work. If you were wondering where Kate's trophy ended up, I'm glad you asked. This has been sitting in the bottom drawer of my... I've been, I've been carrying it from nine to five job to nine to five job for years. Every now and then, if I really need a G up or to feel good about myself, I'll just bring it out so hopefully someone asks me about it. <laughs> well, hopefully they don't just ask you, what's Tropfest? <laughs> That's so true. Who are you and what is Tropfest? <laughs> Thanks to John Chia for reporting that story. And if anyone happened to DVR the 2012 Tropfest Awards ceremony, please get in touch with us. One lady's sense of closure depends on it. We are Days Like These at abc.net.au. We'd love it if you'd follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app or your favourite podcasting app so that you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. It helps new people find the show. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Coolass. Our lead reporter is Pat Abud. And our season three reporting team is a stellar lineup that includes Sam Wicks, Belinda Lopez, Anthony Scully, Melanie Tate, James Viver, John Chia, Meg Bolton, Taylor Gray, and Alicia Sometimes. Our researcher is Tamar Kranswick, and our digital team includes Andrew Davies and Michael Delaney. This episode was engineered by Tim Jenkins, and the supervising producer was Kyla Slavin. Our brilliant executive producers are Ian Walker and Rachel Fountain. And our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. Extra music by Russell Stapleton. See you next time.
Next time on Days Like These, when she's 15, Narelle finds out that she was conceived using donor sperm. But the law prevents her from knowing her donor's identity. That doesn't stop her going on an epic search to find him that will take her to the other side of the world, deep into state archives and right into the Premier's office. That's when the penny dropped. I thought, I realised, hello, one of my donor children is making contact. So, yeah. All this history comes back on me and then, you know, wow, amazing. That's next time on Days Like These. And in the meantime, why not try another great ABC podcast? Like this one. Testing. One, two, three. Hello, I'm Andy Matthews. And I'm Alistair Tremblay-Birchall. And we believe science is the most powerful and noble of human endeavours, a valiant attempt to make sense of a sometimes inscrutable universe. It's a complicated and thankless task for scientists that can only be made worse by being put in a room with four comedians and having their field of study routinely mocked and misunderstood for half an hour. Which is why it brings us no joy to announce that that's exactly what we've done with The Pop Test. Every episode, we've chosen a field, attempted to summarise its entire history in six trivia questions, and then asked our guests to apply their newfound knowledge to answer some of the big mysteries. What is love? Why do we die? What lighting system is most appropriate for a soccer match with snakes? And then we finish with a speed round, but because it's taking us in a particular direction, we call it a velocity round. We hope that you enjoy listening to the show as much as we enjoyed writing this brief introduction to it. Out now on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. 